Welcome to Net Zero in Healthcare. How is it possible? Produced by the IHF Geneva Sustainability Center, this podcast features guest speakers from the Plenary Session 3 on Sustainable Healthcare at the World Hospital Congress. Climate change has a direct impact on people's health and the delivery of care. The healthcare sector is responsible for 4.4% of global greenhouse emissions and therefore holds a special responsibility to lead its services to be net zero, climate resilient, and sustainable. This session will debate the role of healthcare leadership in making this transition possible. It will focus on three aspects how to minimize environmental impact, how to transform services to build health and well-being, and how to bring along key stakeholders and communities. Hello, I'm Sonia Roshnik. I'm the Executive Director of the Geneva Sustainability Center, which is powered by the International Hospital Federation. I'm delighted to have three great speakers with me today. Stephanie Allen, Bertrand Levra, and Rol Hochman. We're going to talk about net zero in healthcare. How is it possible? What, what is the role of current and future health leaders in driving the sustainability agenda? And what are the bold and collective actions that we need to all take in line with the Paris Agreement and the UN SDGs to minimize our environmental impact and transform services? So I hope um, our gentlemen here today, Bertrand, Rod, will uh, be happy if I address the first question to Stephanie. So thank you very much for joining us, Stephanie. I wanted to ask you a question about the, the future of health program that you lead at Deloitte. It explores market trends to 2040, um, of which there are new models of care. And I would just love to hear from you about the major challenges and how all this fits in, in terms of leadership and at institution level. What does it really mean? Thanks, Sonia. So yes, Deloitte does have a really strong point of view around what the future of health looks like in 2040. And at the heart of, I guess, the journey that we see healthcare going on is moving away from a healthcare system that is really focused on sickness um, to one that is focused as much on prevention and well-being. And so we start to see a retrospective healthcare system that treats people when they're already ill or they've been involved in some kind of catastrophic event like a car accident, through to now focusing on prevention, early intervention, um, personalization, and keeping people well. But underpinning that journey, underpinning that transformation from a sickness system to a system that's around promoting well-being is things like connected data and the interoperability of data. It's around real-time monitoring and it's around the personalization of clinical models of care that really meet the needs of those patients. So when we think about the changes that are going to happen in the healthcare system as we face into the challenge of climate change, I think we can think about those in two different ways. So the way that some organizations are thinking about that is that climate change is something else that needs to be managed. It's a it's an additional burden, an additional challenge. You know, we've got workforce in healthcare that's been decimated and burnt out through COVID. We've got affordability issues, particularly facing into a, a global economic recession. And we've got a fragmentation of regulatory and funding requirements that actually prevent real whole system transformation. 
And some organizations are saying, and now we've got climate change. But we would actually urge you to think really differently about that. We would urge you to think about climate change as actually being that catalyst, that transformative catalyst that allows you to do the things that we really should have been doing in healthcare over the last 20, 50 years. And so redesigning your workforce that has a different footprint, implementing virtual care at scale, um, thinking about all of those transformative parts of healthcare that actually an agenda around climate change and sustainability can really make real and tangible. Thank you so much. I love the concept of um, really embedding this as part of your overall strategy rather than the additional side stream. And I think that's uh, absolutely the, the opportunity that we have got nowadays. I, I would love to just uh, um, ask you some further questions really around how do we make that transformation happen? Because you're right, often climate change is seen as something to do with buildings or just to do with waste or with certain elements, whereas as you've described, it's actually a core to everything that happens in healthcare. So how do you see us actually driving that system transformation? And So I think there's external drivers and internal drivers. So let me go to the external drivers. I mean, our opinion would be that to run a successful and sustainable healthcare system in the future, you have to face into climate change. And there's some number, there's a number of reasons for that. So there's the kind of moral imperative, which is, you know, the Hippocratic oath of first do no harm. We can't be a healthcare system that actually pollutes in the way that we do. Yet one of the principles that we live and run our systems by is first do no harm. So we have to face into it from a moral imperative, but it's much more than that. So when I think about the business case behind it, I think about things like, you know, a license to operate. We're starting to see hospitals needing to have regulatory and corporate responsibility around a license to operate around getting to net zero. We're starting to see capital markets changing considerably in terms of funding organizations. And that's not because they're doing that because it's a nice thing to do. They're doing that because they're protecting their long-term investment. And so they are external factors that are bearing down on healthcare now, both public and private healthcare, and saying now is the time to change. What I think internally about how you bring leadership together, I think about the kind of classic balanced scorecard that we use in healthcare. So we think about the quadruple aim. We think about you know, accessibility, affordability, quality, and then patient and clinical experience. I would argue very strongly that sustainability should be a fifth dimension in that balanced scorecard. So every decision that we make is not where we make a decision and then we think about sustainability. We need to think about it in the realms of those different dimensions and balancing those decisions. So it may be, for example, that with single-use surgical instruments, we're still going to use some of them for some procedures because in those instances, quality is really important and we can't afford infection. And therefore, it is absolutely right and just to continue to use single-use surgical instruments for that purpose. But for other reasons, it might not be. So understanding that it, as healthcare leaders, 
we have to hold those five dimensions true in every decision transparently and say, on this basis, we're making this decision, I think is going to be a really important part of leadership of the healthcare system of the future. So thank you, Stephanie. I just want to ask you again about, you know, what the impact is socially and on communities of climate change, because it's not just about the environmental impact, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, when we think about climate change, as indeed we think about how we navigated through the pandemic, climate change has a disproportional impact on our most vulnerable communities. So whether that's rural and remote communities, whether that's aging communities, whether that's socially disadvantaged communities, we know that climate change will disproportionately affect their health and well-being, both their physical health and their mental health, um, in disproportionate ways. A classic example would be, we know that with some of the rising temperature, we're going to see more heat-induced strokes. And we know that if people don't have access to cool environments, no air conditioning in their homes, they're likely to suffer more than um, other households. So we do know that we need to really think hard about how, again, we use sustainability as that transformative catalyst to actually address some of those issues. And one of the areas that's coming through really prominently as an answer is scalable virtual care. So how do we deliver those quality, affordable um, services Mm. through virtual care delivery that not only reaches those hard to reach groups, but also reduces our carbon footprint and delivers contemporary models of care? So I know I was reading a, a report just recently, it was a Canada study that said if we changed half of our hospital visits and replaced them with virtual care visits, it would be the equivalent of taking 70,000 passenger vehicles off the road. And so having that real integration between how can our models of care change that become more affordable, more accessible, higher quality, deliver better patient experience and are sustainable is going to be the conversation that we should be having as healthcare leaders and certainly will be the focus of some of the conversations in Dubai. Thank you so much, Stephanie. As I must say that as a clinician myself, this is the part of this transformation that is most um, inspiring. And now I'd like to turn to Bertrand Levra, who is a chief executive officer at um, the Geneva University Hospitals. We are in Europe and everywhere around the world really in this energy crisis. I was wondering what you're doing with the University Hospitals of Geneva to tackle this very difficult crisis. Well, thank you, Sonia. What is true is that we're faced with the risk of energy shortages in Europe, which was absolutely not on the map a few months ago due to uh, the global energy crisis in Europe. The prices have gone up uh, tremendously. And as uh, the Geneva University Hospital, we are a major energy consumer. And so we need to do cost-saving measures. We are accelerating the reduction plan that has already been in place since 2009 for us in Geneva. It means that, for instance, non-essential lightning, which is about 30% of of our hospital electricity consumption are now switched off at night. We have presence detectors, clocks to be installed in places that do not yet have them, et cetera. So, So we really try to have 
not only a global approach, but to accelerate the changes that we initiated in 2009. And somehow the heating of the premises, the lightening of our premises, etc., are things that we were uh, taking into an account before. But now with the energy crisis, it becomes urgent to make a change. So we take it also as an opportunity to have a real impact on climate change and to try to see through cost-cutting measures uh, to improve our global impact. Thank you, Bertrand. That's a great insight. And I just wonder how you make sure that climate change and all the environmental impacts are integral to the vision of Ashuji, the university hospitals, and how you make sure that you actively contribute to the sustainable development goals. I know that you've created a specific unit to take care of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about its role and its place within the community? Well, sustainable development has been at the core of Geneva University Hospitals programs for nearly two decades. I mean, it's driven by the vision that caring for the environment is part of our responsibility for patients, for personnel, and for society at large. So it means that we have implemented a wide range of actions in our day-to-day -day operations, but also in a strategic way of thinking about our, our development and the way we work. So actions are taken, all, all of the ones who have an impact on the environment, I mean about waste sorting, energy conservation, responsible products and service procurement, improving the efficiency of our facilities and processes. So in every field and area, I think, and maybe it's new for a certain number of leaders, of hospital leaders, but I think it's essential. We do have a major impact on the environment. We need a leadership for change. And I think we have to implement it from the top to the bottom, but also from bottom up initiatives to reflect our preoccupation, to think about the way we can reduce carbon consumption, but also uh, the, the way we can reduce energy consumption, but also about food, about uh, the, 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 the medical uh, activities we have and the way we produce our services in every field. I think when you put on the glasses of looking at it with the social and environmental responsibility, you can make a change and you can try as a leader to really make a difference and accelerate the way we assume our responsibilities on climate change. So Bertrand, in your experience, how do we get carbon reduction and other environmental impacts to be a core component of hospital functioning, of everyday decision making and delivery? Have you got any tips for others that you'd like to share? I think reforms this simply don't happen without political will. So first of all, I think that as, as a leader, you have to not only say that you believe into the impact you can have with running your organization differently with regard to climate change, but also to implement it and to, to, to lead reforms. So the first thing is believe into the fact that you have a responsibility and you can do something about it. And I think uh, for, for many leaders, uh, we're still at the period where they think like, well, this is not on what we are being evaluated as hospital directors. It's more about the quality of care. But if we include the environmental responsibility within the quality of care, I think then we can really make a difference. And then I would say come to IHF uh, and, and discuss uh, uh, on, on with other leaders on what 
actions have been taken in the hospital near you to inspire one another to, uh, to, to see the recipes which have worked. Of course, one of our impact is about buildings and how we can renovate buildings so that they have heating uh, uh, consequences different with regard to climate change. But this is only one part. Uh, are your ambulances, the next one you buy, uh, carbon-free because uh, they are electrical? Uh, do you have lights at night which are absolutely not necessary, but they still remain um, on because nobody has ever thought about it? And even not only about educating people on switching off the lights when they leave, um, is it necessary to switch on the light when you enter <laughs> simply? And, and I think there are lots of simple gestures about uh, about what you can do, how you can change your hospital that can be learned from one another. And uh, I would say there are lots of forum and initiative. And, and for instance, I, I do salute and recommend every leader to interest itself on what's happening with the Geneva Sustainability Center, because there, I think we will have tools to share one another about our experiences, about the way we could improve and to be extremely practical and hands-on to make a change. Because I think lots of things can be done without many efforts and they can really make a difference. So I would say, be curious, look on what's being happening around you, listen to the people on the ground. They have a lot to, say, to tell uh, to leaders on where to maximize the, the capacity of the hospital to, to, to improve. And last but not least, we are managers of people. And I think a lot of our employees care about the environment. And I think if we can take them along and show them that as an employer, we also care, I think it's really good in terms of management issues as well. Thank you very much, Bertrand. And now I'd like to ask Rod Hochman, who is CEO of, uh, and president of um, Providence. You mentioned in your 2022 healthcare top 10 predictions the sort of link between health systems and equity and climate change and the health of the planet and the importance of serving the community. Can you tell us a little bit more about the challenges and the opportunities that brings and how at Providence you're making a, an impact? Great. Well, thank you so much for that question. You know, as, as some of you may know, uh, Providence is uh, one of the largest health systems in the United States. And we span from Alaska all the way to Texas, uh, and in a lot of ways are a microcosm for the whole United States in terms of healthcare, in terms of where we live, both in rural communities and cities. So when we're talking about what are the impacts of environmental change on healthcare, we're the perfect laboratory to be able to do that in. And we've been looking aggressively at how to get our carbon footprint to neutral and negative by 2030. But with that, we've, we've done an incredible look at what the impacts are of the environment, particularly on the most vulnerable populations. And we've seen this time and time again. And particularly as we've seen in, in our country, when there's a hurricane or a fire or whatnot, disproportionately, those folks that are of less means tend to get affected more. Now with climate change, we've seen in the United States a dramatic increase, particularly in the Western United States in uh, fires, forest fires across the, the whole region, hurricanes and their intensity, and also just the changes in temperature that we've seen 
and the, the flooding that we've seen across the country that happens with storms uh, across the country. We have three aspects in healthcare that we need to address. One is what are the effects of climate change on the people that we serve and the diseases that we see? The second is, are our facilities and, cl and clinics ready for the changes in climate that we're seeing? And are they able to deal with it? And thirdly, what's the responsibility of healthcare to reduce the carbon footprint and not add to the whole problem of climate change? And healthcare around the world is a significant contributor uh, to energy and potentially to climate change in doing the work that we do. So at Providence, we felt that we need to address all three of these areas, but particularly looking at our own carbon footprint as we go forward to understand how we can do a much better job at energy consumption, but also our impact on the environment. We've used an acronym called WE ACT to kind of make it simple for all of our folks to understand the five areas that are important for us to make a difference in. And, you know, if you look, look at the acronym as we go, go forward, the E in particular stands for energy, you know, and it's our energy consumption. And we've been able to get a number of our facilities down to net neutral in terms of what, what they're able to do using alternative energy and other uh, alternative sources to be able to do it. So we can accomplish it. And we're on this pathway of doing that across the 51 hospitals and 900 clinics that we have across our system. We've also looked at in the WE Act acronym, T, transportation. How do we cut down our energy footprint in, in the way we transport and move things around? And as I will get into you know, at the conference, into more detail into each of these areas that healthcare has a template to really get itself to be much more environmentally friendly, but also significantly reduce its energy impact. We've looked at things like anesthesia gases, that there are alternative anesthesia gases that are less, much less uh, effective on the environment in terms of what we're using. So there is, from A to Z, things that we can do to kind of make a significant difference in terms of what we're doing. Thank you. That's super interesting. And I wonder, you know, you've clearly demonstrated the strong leadership that you're taking. If we wanted to really get close to net zero, what would you highlight as the key components of any drive to deep, deep decarbonisation? And, and what might be some of the key challenges and pitfalls to be aware of on the journey? Right. The process of getting to net zero and the, and the process of decarbonization is really a change management problem. I think we can define pretty quickly what the problem is. And also, I do think we have the tools, as I've been talking about, to get us to net zero. But with that, it's a tremendous change management process to get both our people uh, oriented to this and also other systems that we deal with. So our health system there, we have 120,000 caregivers across the uh, seven states. So we really need to get them substantially involved in this effort. What we found is that at the grassroots, 
you know, our people that are on the ground really are excited about this effort and are actually pushing their leaders to do more. So we think this is one of those efforts that takes taking the leadership, but more importantly, the grassroots, the people that are out in the field to really move this forward. And with that, I think we can we can move forward. It's also understanding that each locale may have some different issues and that a one size fits all isn't necessarily the answer. So when we look at the template of how to get to net zero and how to look at decarbonization, we need to look at you know, the problems that we might see in our own country in West Texas, maybe a little different than what we're seeing up in Alaska. And we have to be flexible enough to understand that uh, those differences are there, that we have to modify some of the issues that we may put a greater emphasis on one element of, particularly in our case, of our WE Act protocol, less so others as we go through that. The other thing that's really important is that healthcare does not exist in a vacuum. We're subject to our suppliers, to uh, the whole supply chain that's out there. And I think we've all appreciated that all of these elements also play a role in getting to net zero. So in addition to what we're doing, we also have to work effectively with our partners. You know, that's particularly the suppliers that we work with to get all on the same page. With the whole effort in uh, what we call ESG, you know, the environmental component is now a significant aspect for all the companies that are out there. So how do we link our efforts with their efforts so that we're all on the same page as we're moving forward? So that's also, I think, a key part in terms of leadership is for the senior leadership to make sure that those that we work with, our suppliers, our vendors, are ones that are on the same page with us as we go forward. And we can talk in more depth uh, during the conference about how do we make some of those things happen and how important is it for us as a sector in the healthcare sector in terms of what we're doing to influence those that we're working with. So that's another very, very key component. And then lastly, you know, we work a lot with the regulatory side and with the governmental side. It takes exquisite relationships with both our state, local, and federal governments to make sure that we're all on the same page so that we're not working at cross purposes. So I can't underestimate how much leadership plays a role in advocacy in terms of what needs to be done in order to influence the governmental areas with what we're trying to do at our level. And particularly like in a number of countries, but particularly in our own country, we may have profound differences between the regulations in each state that may influence this journey to net zero. What I would say though with it is it's a case for I think we're all understanding, if not now, when. And we're finding that people are willing, ready to get on board. The other key is that change does not have to occur all at once. We need to give people to see what you can do in phase one and phase two and phase three. And different health systems are at different stages. And we just have to appreciate that depending on where you are, there are all, all ways whether you're a large or small healthcare authority, ways to get this done that can be really focused 
on who you are, what your personal situation is. Thank you so much for that contribution. We've had some amazing insights and I'm delighted to be here and I'm so pleased to have been joined by our three keynote speakers. I wonder if you've got any extra messages you'd like to share with our audience before we leave it for today. Thank you, Sonia, and really looking forward to the discussions that we're going to be having in Dubai shortly. Well, thank you very much, Sonia. Hope to see you soon and hope to see everyone listening to this podcast in Dubai soon for the International Hospital of Congress. I think it is one of the places where not only people meet, but where we can make things happen. So welcome in Dubai. I hope to see you all there. So I just, as we're talking about all these issues, I really want to invite everyone to be part of the International Hospital Federation Conference in Dubai. It is a you know, tremendous accumulation of folks from all around the globe exchanging ideas. And at that session, I will be going into the details of what I've talked about here in greater detail and really giving the template for what I think the success is on the journey to get to, to net zero and something that may seem difficult, but I can tell you it's not as difficult as it seems. And as we're seeing in the examples that I'm going to be able to give, give you a picture of how to get there. Thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you in Dubai. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and head on to Anchor, Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you will never miss an episode from us. For more information on the Geneva Sustainability Center, you may visit www.ihf-fih.org and go to the Healthcare Leadership for Sustainability page. Goodbye!